Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I am so excited about this series that the Lord has put in my heart uh, to go into today, and we're calling this series Living Hope, and it's based on the New Testament book of First Peter. And I knew, I've read the book of First Peter many, many times, uh, but you know, there's just, there's seasons where passages of Scripture, where books of the Bible just seem to be more relevant than at other seasons. And this book just seems so relevant for the day and time that we're living in right now. Really, it's a book about how to live with hope, how to live a holy life in the middle of a hostile world. And, uh, and so we're going to get started. We're, we're just going to take this week by week. I don't know. Usually I have a pretty good idea about how long a series is going to go. I don't know how long this series is going to go. Uh, I had planned on preaching the first 12 or 13 verses of chapter 1, uh, but the more I got into that chapter, I'm like, man, the first two verses are loaded <laughs> with, with just life-changing information. I, I do believe I'll, able to get, I'll be able to get through about five verses today as we begin to talk about a living hope, a living hope. So I want everybody to get your Bibles out. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. Everybody get your Bibles out, your iPads, your iPhones, whatever it is that you've uh, brought with you today to to pull up the Scriptures. Uh, Because I want you to highlight, I want you to make some notes, because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak some things, some words of encouragement to your heart and life today. Notice how this first chapter begins. It begins by introducing us to the, uh, to the author of, of this chapter, that is the human author of this chapter. And it says that it is Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. You say, well, duh, you know, that is, you know, it is the book of 1 Peter, so obviously 1 Peter's probably the one that wrote it. Well, you can't always go by that. Uh, Titus was written by Paul. First and Second Timothy was written by Paul. So uh, just because the book bears their name doesn't necessarily mean that they're the ones that authored it. But even though Peter is the human author of this book, we know that the divine author of this book is the Holy Spirit because all Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. But I love the fact that the Lord anointed, the Lord, the Holy Spirit inspired Peter, of all people, Peter, to give us a couple of books in the New Testament. And because when I think about Peter, I think most every believer, every follower of Christ knows who Peter is. We can all identify with, we can all relate, I think, to Peter. Uh, Because when when we read this book, we see that really Peter's just writing from experience. And boy, did he have some experiences. Of course, he was one of the first disciples that Jesus uh, called to be one of his disciples. Um, and, and when Jesus first met him, his name was actually Simon. But the Lord told him, he said, I'm going to change your name to Peter, uh, which means a stone or a rock. In other words, Peter's life would never be the same as a result of coming to and being mentored by, being taught, uh, and being a follower of Jesus Christ. But some of you may, have remember, may, may remember that uh, at one point in time in Peter's life, Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, 
But then, but then Jesus told him this, but I'm praying for you so that once you have been restored, that you will strengthen your brothers and your sisters. Well, we know that Peter was sifted. His faith was sifted. He, 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 was, uh, he denied the Lord three times. He felt like a complete total failure as a result of that. Um, but after the resurrection of Jesus, we find that Jesus has another encounter with Peter where, where he restores Peter. He restores him back uh, to the disciple that he once was. And, uh, and that's what he was talking about. He said that once you're restored, that you will strengthen the brothers, that you will strengthen the brothers and the sisters. And so that's what he's doing here in 1 Peter. He's, he's strengthening his brothers and, and his sisters. He's, he is, uh, he, he's from his experience saying, listen, guys, I've been there. I've done that. I've experienced these things. Let me tell you how I got through those things so that you can get through those things as well. But he said, my name is Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ. I love that. He was not a self-appointed apostle like a lot of folks today. Come on, somebody say amen to that. We got a lot of self-appointed apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. But Peter was not self-appointed. He was appointed by the Lord and he was anointed by the Holy Spirit to be an apostle. But not only that, in order to qualify to be an apostle, you had to be an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Peter was one of those guys that was a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when he writes a letter, and this letter that he writes is, is not just a letter to one particular church, but it was a letter that was going to be passed around to a lot of different churches in that area in that day and in that time. And when Peter, uh, when, when he writes this message, people are going to listen. People want to hear this letter because they're like, hey, this is Peter. This is an apostle of Jesus. This is a guy who was an eyewitness to the miracles and the ministry of Jesus. And not only that, but he was an eyewitness. He saw Jesus alive after the resurrection. Don't you guys know that would have been awesome to have seen him die on a cross, but then three days later see him in his glorified body? And Peter had that opportunity. And, and so Peter is the one that's writing this book, but, but also notice who it is that Peter is writing to here. Let me make sure that we got these scriptures coming up. He, he's writing here in, in verse 1, and he says, I'm writing to God's elect. So, so this is a letter that Peter is writing to believers. He's writing this letter to Christians, both, both Jews and Gentiles that are followers of Jesus Christ. And then notice how he describes them. He said, strangers in this world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now I want you to notice three things that Peter says about these believers, these Jewish and Gentile believers, the elect of God. First of all, he calls them strangers. Everybody say strangers. strangers. He calls them strangers. Now, let me tell you a couple of things about strangers. Number one, strangers are strange. <laughs> That's why they're called strangers. That's why we tell our kids, don't take candy from strangers. Because men offering children candy that they don't know is strange. Somebody say amen to that. But he calls them strangers. 
And, and, and they're strange because they're living in a pagan culture. They're living in a pagan world. They, they have different values. They have different morals. They have different beliefs. They have different standards from that pagan culture. And so when the pagan culture looks at these believers, they think, man, those folks are strange. Now, I know there's some folks that probably ain't going to like this, but, you know, that's how the pagan world today should look at us. I'm afraid that we've become so normal and so adjusted to this world that we're in that we don't look any different from the world. Really, the world today should look at us according to our values. And, 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 and I, I do believe that, that some do. Our values, our morals, our standards, they're not, they're not the same as this pagan culture that we live in. We're strange to them. And of course, they're strange to us. They should be. But he, he calls them strangers, not just because they're strange in the world, the pagan world in which they're living, but they're strangers in the sense. And, and he, he refers to them uh, as exiles, one other translation says. In other words, they are living in a place that is not home to them. They've been displaced from their home. Now, I, I know what it's like to live away from home and, and for your heart to always be back toward home. We were away from home for 26 years before the Lord brought me back home. Jamie's from Florida, so hadn't quite got there yet. But before he brought me back home, even the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, um, they were exiles. They were, they were strangers in Egypt. They were exiles and strangers in Babylon. You, you'll read in the book of Daniel that uh, when, when Daniel was exiled in Babylon, when he was a stranger in Babylon, taken ca into captivity away from his homeland, the Bible said that every day he would pray three times a day, but here's what he would do. He would point toward Jerusalem right. when he prayed because that was home. And his heart was always being pulled toward home. And he would always pray toward home. Listen, that song that we opened up with today said, this world is not my home. I'm just a stranger. I'm an exile in this world. That's why when I pray, I don't pray toward this world. I, pay, I pray toward home. I pray toward heaven because that's where my heart is connected to. Amen? But not only does he call them strangers, he also says that they're scattered. That, that they're scattered. Now, there's a reason that they're scattered. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. Um, but... Today, right here, we're, we're gathered. We're, we're, we're not uh, forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We're, we're gathered together. We're huddling up. And, and that's a part of what God wants us to be. But God doesn't want us to just always be gathered. God doesn't just want us to always be huddled up. God has called us to be scattered that's why the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Let me tell you what salt is meant to do. I've got, I've got a salt container here. Now that's not what we normally call it, is it? We normally call it a salt shaker. But this is not a salt shaker. This is a salt container. I'm the shaker, right? And I have to shake the container of salt in order for the salt to get out of the container. And sometimes God has to allow a shaking 
in order to get us out of our container because we become so comfortable. We become so comfortable in the gathering. We become so comfortable in the assembling, don't we? That's good preaching right there. I don't care who you are. But sometimes God has to allow us shaking because salt is meant to influence. Salt salt is meant to give flavor. And we cannot be as salt. We cannot be who God's called us to be as long as we stay in the container. And so what does God do every now and then? God allows a crisis like we're in right now to shake us up. And what are we right now? We're scattered. And that's okay. God's okay with that. We might not be okay with that, but God is okay with that. Because God wants us to know that if the gospel is going to be preached to the four corners of this world, we've got to be scattered. Amen. Amen. And so, I'm about ready to preach here this morning. Y'all, gonna, y'all probably going to have to hold me back here in just a little bit. Because I ain't even got to the best stuff yet. But he said that they're strangers. We're strangers in this world. Scattered. God wants us to be scattered. And, and the reason that these believers were scattered was because of the third thing that we'll talk more about next week. And that is they were suffering. They were suffering. We don't preach enough about suffering. We really don't. We don't preach enough about suffering. I'm afraid that we preach so much about the blessings of God and thank God for the blessings of God. That God wants you to have this and God wants you to have that. But also a part of the gospel message is the message of suffering. That we as believers, we're going to suffer. And these believers in First Peter that he's writing to, they are suffering persecution. They are suffering as a result of being followers of Jesus Christ. And that's one of the reasons that they're scattered. Some of them are even in hiding. Peter is even having to write some of this in code because he says, I'm writing from Babylonia. Well, Babylonia, he never went to Babylonia. He was using that as a code word for Rome. That's where he was writing from. So they've been suffering persecution. They've been suffering at the hands of that pagan culture. And as a result of that, they are scattered. And so, so Peter, when he opens up this book, he, he, he lets them know who's writing this book. He lets them know who this letter is for. And, and then, then notice the, the, the next thing he says here in this passage of Scripture. Let, let, me, let, me, let me get my eyes on here where I can, where I can see this. He says who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Now, all Paul is doing there is he's reminding them of their salvation and what all was involved in them becoming followers of Christ, what all was involved in them being able to have a relationship with God the Father. Because notice he said, first of all, you need to remember it was God who chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. But then Jesus came along and Jesus paid the price at the cross for our salvation. But then it's the Holy Spirit who initiates and continues that work of salvation in every single one of our hearts and lives. So in in the eyes of the Father... As far as God the Father was concerned, we were saved the moment that he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. As far as Jesus is concerned, we were saved the moment that he went to the cross and died for our sins. But as far as the Holy Spirit is concerned, 
You see, all of that's good, but we've got to appropriate that in our life. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Because as far as the Holy Spirit is concerned, we were saved the moment that we heard that good news. We heard the gospel. The Holy Spirit convinced us it was true to the point that we responded by receiving it by faith. And now he does the work of separation and sanctification in our lives to make us holy and pure before God. So he reminds us. They're strangers, they're scattered, they're suffering. He reminds them about their salvation. Now we're still in the introduction here. And then here's what he says. Oh, you know I just can't get away from favor. He says this, he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Now that word grace, listen to me, the unmerited favor of God. It's favor that God puts on us that helps us get through whatever it is that we're going through in our lives. Peter understood the only way that I got through everything I got through was because I had the grace of God in abundance. I had the peace of God in abundance. And that's what I'm praying over those of you that are watching us here this morning. I'm praying that you will have the favor of God, that you will have the peace of God in abundance. Lord, help me. I got to get out of this introduction now and and get into the letter. What? That's a Good introduction to a letter, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> and so now he begins the letter. And here's how he begins the letter. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He starts with a doxology. He starts with blessing. He starts with praise. And then he tells us what he's praising about. Then he tells us what his worship is about. Here's what he says. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth. Here we go. Here's where this series comes from. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Oh, he he starts his praise. He gets his praise on. And and, and he says this. He says, in his great mercy mercy in his great mercy Titus chapter 3 verse 5 we were not saved as a result of our righteous works but by his mercy amen by his mercy when I think about mercy and when I think about grace grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve and mercy is when he doesn't give us what we do deserve we deserved death For the wages of sin is death. But in his great mercy, he didn't give us what we deserved, which was death. He gave us what we didn't deserve, life. Oh, hallelujah. We have been born again into a new life. And listen, just like I didn't have anything to do with my first birth, I didn't. It was all my mom and daddy. (laughs) Just like I didn't have anything to do with my first birth, I didn't have anything to do with my second birth. Jesus did it all. And then all I have to do now is just receive by faith that wonderful gift of grace and mercy. But notice it says that because of his mercy, we, we have been given new birth. We have been given a new life. And notice what he said the characteristic of this new life is. He said the characteristic of this new life is a living hope compared to what? A dead hope that we had before. 
You see, your hope is only as good as what your hope is anchored to. I want somebody to hear me right now because some of you have your hope anchored to things in this world. Some of you have your hope anchored to the temporary things of this world. That's why there's so many disappointed, discouraged, depressed people in this world is because they're putting their hope into things that cannot meet their expectations. That's why our hope cannot be anchored to the things of this world. Our hope has to be anchored to heaven. That's where my hope is anchored today. Amen. Amen. And my hope is not a dead hope because I haven't put my hope in dead things. My hope is a living hope because my Jesus is a living Lord. And the word of God is a living word. That's where my hope is anchored today. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can't believe I'm still sitting down preaching this good. (laughs) Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and his great mercy. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, if it were not for the resurrection of Jesus, none of us would have hope. It's only because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have any hope of having hope (laughs) whatsoever. But then notice what he says, because I believe it just keeps getting better and better. He says he has also given us an inheritance. Woo! Somebody just look at your neighbor right there and say, I'm in God the Father's will. I'm in his will. I'm in his will and testament. This is his will and testament right here. We're in his will and testament. We have an inheritance. And notice what he says about this inheritance. And we know what an inheritance is. An inheritance is something that is left for us. But most of the time, it has to be triggered by someone's death. That once they pass away, then what was left for us, we have. But the inheritance that we have from the Lord is not necessarily an inheritance that we receive as a result of his death, but it's a, as a result of his resurrection. Right, right. That when he was resurrected, that's when the last will and testament kicks in, goes into effect. But, 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 but look at this. He says this about that inheritance. He says that we have been saved into an inheritance, I love this, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. You see, this is why when people anchor their hope to things in this world, they're so disappointed. It's because they're anchoring their hope to things that can perish, to things that can spoil and to some things that can fade. But our eternal inheritance will never perish. (laughs) It'll never spoil. It'll never fade away. Things here, you know, you're excited about it one day, but the next day that excitement's faded. You know, you beautiful flowers, they're, they're beautiful one day, the next day they've faded away because everything on this earth is temporary. But everything in heaven is eternal. That's why Jesus said that we need to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where thieves cannot break in and steal and moths cannot destroy and rust cannot corrupt. And that's what he tells us about our inheritance. Oh, thank God for that wonderful inheritance that we have that doesn't just kick in now, but it goes to a whole nother level once we enter into heaven. And he says, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, guarded in heaven for you, reserved, one, one, one translation says, reserved in heaven for you. I've, I've traveled quite a bit here on this earth, you know, when you make a reservation at a hotel, 
Sometimes you show up, they still got your reservation. Sometimes you show up, they don't. And you're left without a place to stay. But listen, when you get to heaven, your inheritance is there. You're, it's, it's waiting on you. It's being kept by God. The glory of God is being kept by God. Your inheritance is being kept by God, being guarded by God. It'll never perish. It'll never spoil. It'll never fade away. And then he says this. He says, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Notice what he's saying here. He's saying not only is the inheritance being kept for you, but he said by the power of God, you're being kept for the inheritance. Here's what he's trying to say to us there. He said that you're being kept for your inheritance. And I, I'm going I'm to just stand up here for just a minute to, to, to share this. He said this inheritance is being kept in heaven. Let me get my remote here where I, can, where, where I can get to this next passage of Scripture. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Here, here, here's what Peter's saying to us. He said, not only is the inheritance being kept for us, we're being kept for the inheritance. I wonder, do you believe that God has the power to keep you for that inheritance? And, and basically what he's saying is this. He's saying this. He's saying that we have already been saved from the penalty of sin. That happened to us when, when Jesus went to the cross. We've already been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin. That's why the Bible says, and you can go ahead, Tanya. That's why the Bible says that even when we are tempted, that God will give us a way of escape. That God's grace will be sufficient to give us, get us through every temptation, to get us through every trial. And that's, that's what he means here when he says that through faith we are shielded by God's power. Right now we are being protected. We are being given the power that we need to overcome sin on a daily basis. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. We will be saved or we are being saved from the power of sin. But here's what Peter says. Peter says there's coming a day when we're going to be saved from the presence of sin. Here's the way the word of the Lord says it. That when Jesus comes again, because notice he said the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. He's talking there about when Jesus comes back. And the scripture says that when he comes back that we will be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Paul said it like this in Philippians 1 and 6. He said, he who began a good thing, a good work in you will continue that work until it is completed at the day of Christ's return. I want you to know this morning, because he says that all of this happens through faith. We've got to have faith. We've got to continue to believe that the same God who has delivered us from the penalty of sin and is saving us from the power of sin will finish it. He'll save us from the presence of sin. He is keeping us for that for which he's keeping for us. And one day, this is our hope. This is our hope that that salvation will be finished. 
that salvation will be complete. And really, when I think about the inheritance, it's not the streets of gold and the walls of jasper and the gates of pearl. It's not even the fact that our inheritance includes a place where because there's no longer a presence of sin, that there'll no longer be death and there'll no longer be sorrow and there'll no longer be tears and there'll be none of that. That's a wonderful inheritance. That's a wonderful hope that we have. That's a wonderful thing for us to look forward to. But our hope is Jesus. Jesus, that's our inheritance. God is our inheritance. Jesus is our inheritance. And one day we shall see him face to face. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up those that are tuning in this morning, Lord, that are losing faith. Maybe because of this season that we're in right now, Lord, these trials that we're going through right now, the testing of our faith, even the temptations that we're up against every day, God, sometimes it can so weary us that we give up faith. We wonder if we're going to make it or if we can make it. But God, may we be reminded today that we are being kept by your power, that your power is available to us. That the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us. And yes, that gives us a hope in things to come, but it also gives us a hope in this world right now that we can overcome trials, we can overcome temptations, we can, we can pass any test because of the power of the Holy Spirit that resides on the inside of us, the resurrection power of God that gives us hope both in this life and in the life to come. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.